everybody? Welcome back to Kids in the Way podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. This is Caleb and Cameron. And we're glad to have all you listeners out there. Hope you're all having a wonderful time with the weather starting to get nice. we got some good stuff to talk about tonight. Before we do, we just want to let you guys know that there's always our Facebook out there, the group that we have made. You just go to your Facebook and you type in Kids in the Way. And it should pull our group up there. If you need an invite because you can't find it, just shoot me or Cameron a message and we'll get you on there. But you can keep up to date with when the next podcast are coming out. You can get onto our playlist and see the ones we've already done. Uh, we also have our Call to Arms ministry page. It's pretty simple. Go to your Google, type in Call to Arms. Um, it should be connected to uh, the GoDaddy domain site. Uh, we're in the process of buying the doma domain, but you should be able to get any of our old podcasts off of there. Um, we usually are going to be trying to do these every two weeks if we can. Uh, when you get holidays and stuff, it may be a little bit longer. Yeah, we also we also had the, the bad weather come through, which separated <laughs> travel. It hindered us from going anywhere. And then we've had a lot of the last couple of weeks family visiting, and so it's been just... Like one back and forth, just craziness. So we're finally getting, I think, I don't even think we had one last month. We didn't have anything in, in the month of February. I think we posted the one that we did in January in February, but February was mainly empty. And it's so far in March has been really crazy as well. Tell you what, we've had so much snow. I'm thankful for cold weather, but I'm ready for the warm now. Right. Uh, so if you haven't uh, listened to our format before, it's it's pretty simple. It's just a couple of guys talking about the Bible and uh, speaking the truth. We're never going to just throw out an opinion unless we say it's an opinion. Um, and we're going to try to back up what we have to say with the word. I don't just want to give you guys nonsense. Um, but usually we pick a topic, we talk about it. Um, as podcasts go on, we may end up doing some shorter podcasts with smaller topics we may do some ones that need to go into one or two different um, parts. Yeah, like cutting it in one part to two part. Um, but we really, we would like to uh, hear from everybody who's listening. We've had a couple of people give good feedback. Uh, we've had some people give some negative feedback, but that is still helpful. Uh, you know, we're trying to always enhance sound quality. Uh, we're getting new computers, new mics, new boards, things like that. Uh, so we're going to do whatever we can to make it sound good for you guys. So just keep letting us know. Um, today, we got an awesome topic. I, I think this is something that's actually uh, stirring in a lot of the hearts of uh, pretty much uh, most of the church nowadays. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's something that is very um, it's it's on the minds. I think of everybody. And right off of the bat, when someone says kind of what we're what we're going to talk about, uh, it's a little weird. Where the Christianese throws people off. Um, but once you understand it, it really does open your eyes. And I think it should bring clarity and it, it should make you happy to be a part of the body of Christ. And that is the term that we call fivefold ministry. Now, obviously that term's not in the Bible. Right. But what it's talking about is when God gives these five gifts, which are called ministry gifts, they all work together 
like a hand gripping a sword. You have to have them to be able to do it properly. They work fivefold. So All we have together. Yeah. Each each has their own individual place that is important to the body as a whole. Um, and it is something that is sometimes overlooked um, in the bodies um, or really even if they're like something that's more prevalent, they're not explained. Um, at least that's how I've always encountered them. It's something that you just, you know that it's there, but like you're just sitting there going, I don't really know what that is. I know the words, but I don't really know how to explain to you. Yeah. What what does this mean? I had a a gentleman at work who's a fellow believer and he came to me one day and we were talking and he was talking about how he had a minister get up in front of the church and he was speaking and it was just, it was hard to follow along. It was hard to understand what he was saying and to keep up because he wasn't that great of a teacher. And he said, I didn't mean disrespect by it, but he said, I think people don't understand nowadays the difference between a pastor and a teacher, an evangelist, apostle, a prophet, that maybe this gentleman wasn't in the wrong. He just was trying to take on a role that wasn't his. Right. So if this will help you at all, we want to break it down and make this a lot easier by asking simple questions. Uh, we've said this before in a podcast, but um, I believe it's Einstein the last time you looked it up. But if you can't explain something to a child, you really don't understand it yourself. Right. So that's what we're going to be able to try to do. It's not in a condescending way. It's just to say, hey, we want to be able to explain this the easiest way. Right. As well as even as Christians, we sometimes... Again, like we have these very fancy terms, but there's often times that we don't uh, we don't even know what they mean. But we're Christians, so I'm not allowed to voice the fact that I, I don't understand. Like, like I can't say, but what I, I, what actually is a prophet? Like, like what is that? That's kind of because then uh, people might think that I'm not as Ooh, yeah. I'm not as much of a Christian and then you know we have that whole fear of of people yeah uh, that's that's definitely the case where it's more or less of a I don't want to look bad and I want someone to think I'm not a believer but that's the reason why we teach that's why we have teachers so the first thing that will make this a lot easier is I want to read a scripture and then ask some questions but anybody who's following along this is going to be ephesians chapter 4 and i think we all know verse 11 and it says uh the literally the line right before it though says that he jesus is doing this so that he can fulfill all things so that he can um in his church fulfill the things that he had jesus himself was all five of these things put together and then when he left to ascend into heaven to go prepare a place for us, he said, now I'm going to give you the things that I was so that you can work together. The cool part is he did it in one in me, one in Cameron, one in, you know, Brian, one in these different people so they can come together. And it says here, and he personally gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ until we can reach unity in the faith. So, step one, why do we have these crazy terms, and what's their purpose? To bring unity, and to get everybody uh, trained and equipped to build up the body of Christ. 
Um, so we want to ask a question, and we're going to talk back and forth to each other uh, while you're listening along. Write your own list and see if you know see if you come up with something different, and uh, you know follow along and see if it helps you to be more visual if you're writing it down. But want to ask the question is, uh, so I'll go ahead and you know ask the camera, what is the job or the function of church? We have. The term church, we understand church. We have a lot of people say, I go to church, I'm a Christian. Um, I am the church, we're the living church. So what is my job as the church? What am I supposed to be doing? Right. So, of course, I've always had um, the or the, the general idea that the church was the the hands and feet of God that or the hands and feet of Jesus, both the same. Um, but it's... Uh, that's how I've always looked at it, as just his way of reaching the world, like like a like we are the the extension, the extension, the the place where he comes to, where he's supposed to be able to interact with with the world. Um, but of course, that's just my 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 view of it. But we are we are at his messengers to to a lost world. Yeah. To be able to preach the gospel. I mean, yeah. I feel like most people when they're asked, well, what should a Christian be doing? Well, they should be preaching the gospel. Yeah. Uh, another one, I mean, this is just growing up in the household that I am uh, with the mom and dad that we had. They Christians should be learning, training and equipping themselves to be able to, like it says in Peter, give a response to anyone who asks you the hope of your salvation. So I would say a second one would be to be trained trained and equipped but also to train and equip others that others. are around you right uh, so to um to spread the gospel and then to train and receive training yeah so you can spread the gospel right so you can do the spreading of the gospel now this one's big i think in the world today but maybe for other reasons i think people try to understand this one the most the job of the church is to love to love the world that nobody else wants to love. Right. To it. It to um. What is it? The he talks about it in sense of like the um the the un like the uncomely parts. Oh yeah. He he refers to it as like the the hidden parts of your body. The like that's the way he kind of describes like the the parts of the world or the parts of people that that are often overlooked or hidden from sight, that we are tasked with um, taking care of to helping. So you have um, the clothing of, of the naked, yep. the feeding of the hungry, um, the care of the widow. Um, he tasks the church with doing these things, with taking care of those parts of society that often get shunned or ignored to, to heal the sick to um, yep, to do all one. these different things that you know the things that people they don't want to touch or want to stay away from we're tasked with interacting with those those parts of of society yeah uh, I always remember that you know uh, mom and dad would always say stuff like it don't matter what time it is day night what day of the week if someone came to me and they needed help we're there to help them I'm right. Like, Man, that's that's a lot of sacrifice. But it's like you said, we're supposed to be, you know, givers and servants to to those that are around us. Yeah. 
Now you uh, mentioned something that was really good, and that was healing the sick. So something else that we're supposed to do as the church is to have signs and wonders follow us. Follow us. Like healing the sick, uh, you know, laying the hands on people so they can recover, casting out demons, these workings of Holy Spirit. Those are supposed to be common when it comes to Christianity. Right. Um, and I like I like the the way that, that that you worded that because it's not we're not tasked with working miracles. That's not what the church is. We signs and wonders are supposed to follow us. I ain't got no ability to make a sign. But we don't. We have no ability to cause a miracle. But it's it's it should follow us. Yeah. Um, I always think of like when who was it that was walking. And their shadows touched. Oh yeah, yeah. The disciples. The disciples. They just they were walking in their the way shadows. Peter and John on the way yeah. to prayer meeting. Yes, um, and but their shadows touched. Was it the was it a sick man? Yeah, a lame person who yeah. was, you know, by a gate begging. Yeah, literally a shadow touches him and it becomes healed because the sign and wonders followed him. They didn't even do anything. Yeah, exactly. Now, another one here uh, that I have is to plant and to establish. So, a lot of people like to use this term, convert. And I get where we're coming from, but it's it almost has a negative connotation yeah. nowadays. But really what that's saying is to, you know, me and Cameron here, we're talking, you know, we build each other up. Then we go out, we build somebody else up so they can go and they can build somebody else up. Then we plant and establish a place for those people to come together. That's not the church. The people are the church. But it it's that idea of creating structure. I think sometimes what people miss is that the whole point of church in the Bible is that it was orderly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't this chaotic, you know, oh, freedom of the spirit hippie thing. It was orderly. Yeah, there was a, there was a, a very uh, deep understanding of authority. Um and that you're also talking about um, people coming from a belief system because it was for them for for the most part for especially for um, for for Jews who were now following the teachings of Jesus they were going from a completely different style of belief system to to a, I mean to Christ's revolutionary teachings then you had the Gentiles. Who they were coming? Paul had his whole hands full with them. Very, and I mean, you're not even, and and Gentiles didn't ju- Gentiles wasn't just not it, it. We say it, it's anybody who wasn't a Jew. So it wasn't just like some random guy who didn't. You're talking about everybody who wasn't set. a Jew. So you're talking about the Romans who had their own beliefs. You had the you had the 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 Philistines. You had the, you had all these different belief systems and worships of other gods that were taking place. And so Paul did have his hands full when, when the church was first established, but that's what's really great. And part of the reason why I love all of the writings is his whole thing was, if you really pay attention, he was he was having to structure it all. He yeah. was like running back and forth saying, don't do that, don't do stop doing that. But guys, hey, calm down over there. <laughs> At times you'd be like, well, I'm going to come to you, but I got to deal with these guys. Yeah. 
But so, I think and that's then that's why missing. he was writing letters because he was having to go to some places in person. So he was having to write letters to other people. So he and and sometimes he was in prison, not able to even go. And <laughs> and I think sometimes that's where people get a little confused with the gospel. So we we don't look at scripture contextually enough. And I'm not going to try to go on a big tangent with this, but it just that just came to my mind. So like the whole women should be silent in church thing. So that was specifically Paul writing to the church of Corinth because they were having problems with when the men would prophesy, when the men would uh, give a word or a tongue and interpretation, the women would, in the middle of the service, start questioning the word that was coming from their husband. What does that mean? Well, can you explain that to me? Can you, you know, can you give me an idea of what you're... And it created chaos. And it was it was twice in scripture where that was ref, where that those that kind of statement was made, and the other time was when in a town where there was the cult of Artemis, and they were actually worshiping the um, the Greco Roman goddess um, Artemis, the goddess of the hunt and of uh, virginity. But also of female domination. She was. She believed it was like a. It was like a a whole belief system surrounding about uh basically matriarchal kind of society. So he was having to go in there, and the whole reason was he was just trying to restructure the way that they were looking at the way society worked. Yeah, he wasn't creating laws. He was saying, "Look, I understand what you're doing here. This isn't working." Let me give you the structure of what the Bible says. Then I go here. Let me give them a structure of what the Bible right. says. And he was having to deal with each place on a case-by-case basis, basically. Just so, showing up going, okay, what's going on? And how, <laughs> how, do I, how do I get you set into the pattern? So that's all what we wanted to do tonight when we're explaining this, is to show you that right now in the world, there are so many churches. Each church has its own thing, its own knack, its own... A lot of them develop doctrine... Um, that they enjoy, that they really receive, and then they say, boom, that's what we're focusing on. Mm -hmm. And then they leave a lot of it out. Now, what we're trying to say is that there is still a structure and an order of things, and maybe why we have some confusion, we have boredom when it comes to, you know, gathering with uh, the church, maybe we have, you know, just some distaste or, you know, not liking to be around it, or we have an instance where we were in a, church service and someone did something we didn't like and it offended us. It's because I think sometimes we don't uh, understand the pattern. You have like, you have like the burnout syndromes and people fall like falling away from um, faith and, you know, because they, they just feel stagnant. Yeah. So if I, we have these things we just said and they all sound awesome, loving, overseeing, planting, Orphans and widows being fed, healing the sick, clothing the naked, uh, being the hands and feet of God, being his dwelling place, preach the gospel. Like this all sounds awesome. So why doesn't it reflect that into people's lives sometimes? And I know this is a cop out, but there is still human policy. People are learning. People yeah. are, they're going to we could mistakes. do. We could do everything, even if we did everything the way that it's supposed to be done. We would still fall short because we are we are human. We are we are fallible. We would even if we followed everything to to the T, like like it lays out in Scripture, we would still not be worthy. We would, our our own at least our own um, righteousness 
would still be it still as filthy rags. rags. So what we want to do now is we, we gave you a few of those things. Hopefully you make a list of yourself. You know, you can break this down even deeper. You can say stuff like uh, ministering to the children, worship, song service. You know, we have all these crazy names we create mm -hmm. um, of what the church should be doing. Now, you can take those things, and I promise you, when you look at the church the way the Bible says it, with what I just read in Ephesians 4, you can place them in a place where they function properly. So you're saying, how does this equate to the fivefold ministry? Right. Like, what, how does this work? So I figure I'll go ahead and start with one, and I'll let Karen go on to the next one. But I want to just give a brief, very short explanation of what one of these offices means. And what that person's role is. God didn't make them to say, you know, this is something cool, try it out. No, the Bible says that these offices cannot be taken away from people. These are things that he put in them according to his life, uh, righteousness and purity and truth. This is something God said each and every one of us has. So maybe this is why we're having trouble. So the first one I want to talk about is an apostle. And I'll let Cameron do the prophet next. But apostle is a word that when we hear it in the church today, we're like, what is he talking about? Is that that older guy that gets up there and he's the one who thinks he's in charge of everybody? Like, what are we saying, apostle? Is that those guys that are overseas in other countries? Like, I don't understand this word. And it's like Cameron said earlier, why are we afraid to ask? Why are we afraid to just say, yeah? That's, that's actually one of the most important things. That, um, it was last year where I was... Um, helping out in it um, like a youth uh, classroom and one thing that when the, when the kids would come in and I'd sit with them the one thing that I was really trying to get them to come to and just to remember is that a question never asked is an answer never gained that we will never you'll never find the answer for for a question you don't ask and then that's I mean it's the literal like the basis for discovery you have you to first knowledge. search yeah. to find he says seek exactly <laughs> so so today hopefully we can break this down for you and if you have questions yeah, feel free to ask or if you don't feel comfortable asking us throw anonymous on facebook to us uh ask someone around you who fits one of these roles so what is an apostle well we know from the bible that there were 12 of them at least in the New Testament, and those are your disciples. It calls them the apostles of Christ. What does it mean, and what do they do? Well, with the disciples and examples, this one I don't want to put a whole lot of scripture with. And I mean, if you need to back it up, let me know in a message. I'll give it to you. But you can follow every disciple. You can see what they did, and they were the apostles of Christ. The apostles' job is to oversee and to facilitate, to plant, and to send out people in the ministry. What does that mean in normal terms? Well, that means that if we apply it to our lives, let's say you have, you know, myself here uh, at our home church. And then there are branches from this home church where people are like, hey, can we just do a home church in our community? Hey, I live in Ohio. I live in Florida, I live in, you know, a different state. Can we do home church in ours? And then that apostle would be the guy who, if the leaders of those home churches need help, need structure, they go to him about it or her about it. That's, that is the point of an apostle. It's the overseer 
or the person who, you know, kind of has their hands in more than one thing to try to lead. And a big, the biggest point here is to send out. So if you're out of place and you've been at a church uh, gathering for, let's say, 20 years, because there's some people who have, and you're like, man, I just, I never feel like I get to do anything in my calling. I never feel like I'm being any of you, so I just come and sit and listen. I feel like that's probably because your apostle is not standing in his office and he's not sending people out. We have this syndrome with the church of today where we want to put ownership on a congregation and say they're mine. When we need apostles to be standing for this, all five to work together and saying, hey, I'm going to send you out. Now, I'm not going to just send you out like sheep to wolves, even though the Lord says that happens to us. He's going to send you out and say, look, you need help? I am... The person who you can come to if you need help. Yeah, we, we, treat, we treat like churches like bunkers. Yeah. Like this is, come on, we're escaping the apocalypse. Hide in Get here. In. Hide in here until it's all over. And then that's, that, I mean, that's not it at all. And of course, you hear the analogy that church is supposed, like the church is a hospital for the broken. And I really don't like that analogy <laughs> either. Like, I think I said it once before. I, I really think that the church is better analogized I guess that's a good word. I don't know if that's a word, guys. Don't look it up. <laughs> Just go with it. Just go with it. Um, but um, as a as a field like medic center, like we're we're meant to be out on the front lines, um, bringing in wounded, and then sending them, like sending them back them out, get back yeah, out. getting them getting them good, but sending them back out. We're not a place to where they just come because. In a way, we would be a hospital, but in a way, we also treat it like a psych ward. This is where you come to die. You just get locked away in here and you exactly. never go back out there. Don't The world is scary. It's scary. <laughs> Stay in. So hopefully you'll understand what we're, uh, we're, we're trying to get across here by doing this now. So I gave you one, the apostle. Who can be an apostle? Who can't be an apostle? Well, just if you want to look in the Bible, especially in Romans 16... There's both men and women being named there. Uh, Junius and man, I'm gonna forget it. I don't. I don't have yeah, it in front of me. But there's Paul, one. Paul had one of his one of his lead like uh, attendant. I don't know what you would have yeah. called him, but they were. It was a woman and being an apostle. And I believe yeah. her name was Junia with her husband side by side being apostles. So anyone could be an apostle. Now, what does that mean? Well, here, what did we just say in the beginning? Let's not make this complicated. What's the job of the church? Well, let's take some of these and see if they fit that role. So training and equipping, well, not, not really. That's not sending out. That's not overseeing. Well, how about preaching the gospel? Not, not really. Now everyone on the level needs to share the word of God, but that's just, it's really not there. Well, how about oversee? Oh, that fits perfectly. When we talk, I mean, we talk about org, how it has to be organized. Organized, make sure things function properly how about plant and establish like we have that's what an apostle that's what an apostle would do so maybe the reason why things aren't getting planted and established or maybe why things are stuck and everyone just keeps coming and for lack of a better word dying in the gathering that you're at it's because the apostle is not there to send them out maybe and we'll talk about this later maybe he's in the wrong role and maybe he is. Know it. Maybe they are there. Yeah, but maybe she or she is. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and let Cameron get the next one, uh, which is the prophet. The prophet. 
Um, and really quick, I, I was just looking at Ephesians 4.11 really quickly, and then I, I brought my attention down to to 4.13, and I was like, oh, that's really great, because right after it, because it says to build up the body of Christ, but what I love is, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, a mature person attaining to the measure of Christ's full stature. Mm -hmm. So like, that's what I was, oh yes, I grabbed that. I was like, this is, the purpose is to build to maturity. So we're no longer children. Right. Um, So uh, back to, we have the prophet. And this is the one that everybody, they're (laughs) like, oh, we were good at pastor, uh, teacher, evangelist, apostle. We're okay with that. But Prophet gets into some sketchy, um, like just we we're just we just don't want to touch. Can on we pretend it. that one's not real. <laughs> yeah. um, and then because I think we have like a we have a fear of it, but at the same time, there's like a there's like a not really seriousness of taking it True. too as serious because everybody's a prophet now. Yeah, well, I mean that's unfortunate. I mean, you're true. If we look on the internet, there's all these people just saying that they're prophets. They'll say a sentence and say, thus say the Lord. Yeah. Um, And I think that's something that uh, we have to understand that the prophet, the house of the prophet, that that position is um, the actual, in that moment, a, a mouthpiece for God. When they're what they're saying is they are they are claiming to be speaking the words of God, and as we know from Scripture, God's word is truth, and you can't there no is lie. no lie in it. So, um, the, of course, an easy the easiest way to say that somebody to tell like oh if I if you're thinking I don't know about this guy this person saying they're a prophet prophets. The most dangerous thing about a prophet is that they are tested by their word. Exactly, you can, and it's not wrong. Right, it, we're supposed to up. We're supposed to hold them to that standard because they they're supposed to be held accountable by it. Um, but their main purpose is to give instruction from God to the body. They are they are giving what would be considered a, like a like a divine or um, extra, you know, something that wouldn't just be... Just a normal a word of the Lord, like, hey, God is here now. Right. It, it usually will come with some form of, you know, correction, you know, sometimes rebuke, but all for the edification. Right. If you think about just biblical examples... Of some prophets. Of prophets. Jeremiah, Elijah. I mean, you've got um, all these uh, prophets. Even back to the Old Testament. We yeah. talk about Old Testament prophets. Usually they'd show up. Nathan. To correct. Yeah. They'd be like, hey. But in love. Because right. it's a way to say, you know, you're, you're doing something dumb. Like Nathan to Daniel. Well, just, you know, you are that man. I always loved that sermon where he's like, you know, this man comes and he takes the sheep from the person who never have any other sheep, and he has tons. And anyways, long story short, but if we think about this, the prophets also most of the time were held to such a high standard. Think about what they were required to do. Hey, lay on your side for a whole year. 
Then, if you're okay with that, on the next year, lay on your other side. Oh, uh, if you're hungry, though, go ahead and cook some food over human dung. Oh, and then the prophet's like, really? Human dung? Okay, sorry, sorry. You can have animal dung. Right. Just, I mean, think about uh, the dry bones. You're standing in a valley of skeletons, and God's like, hey, uh, can you go tell them to live? What? <laughs> like, the prophet's jobs are sometimes, I would say all the time, supernatural. There because are things that you cannot just say, yeah, hey, it's, it it's might rain tomorrow. Thus say prof- the Lord. And, and to make a difference, a prophet's correction is, it has to be, you have to separate it from, like, say, the correction of an apostle. Because the apostle is the one who is um, about structure. But the the prophet's correction is not the prophet's correction. Yeah. The prophet's correction is God's correction. <laughs> through the prophet's mouth. Yes, through the prophet. Um, again, um, a very dangerous, I believe, at least for me, when I think yeah. about that, I'm like, I would be very, I don't think that that's my gift thing, because if it was, I'd be very afraid, because I'm just like, no, I don't want that. It's like we talked about uh, in a service a few weeks ago. The difference between prophecy and a prophet. That's a there's a big difference. Everyone's supposed to. And nobody prophesy. likes nobody likes prophets. Yeah, prophets usually had no friends. But <laughs> I just want to make that clear that just because you prophesy doesn't make you, you a, a prophet. prophet because prophets literally are judged by the word. So let's give you an example. If I say, the Lord says tomorrow, you'll get a piece of gold that falls from the sky and lands on your front porch. And it doesn't happen. Now I'm a false prophet. Now if I prophesy to Cameron and say, Cameron, tomorrow, I believe the Lord's telling me you're going to get a raise at your job. And I am not a prophet because I'm not operating in the office of a prophet. I'm just prophesying. And Cameron doesn't. Cameron shouldn't come to me and go, yeah, Caleb, you're a false prophet. No, what happens is now the apostles should come in and correct and say, hey man, you need to be teach, you know, taught and trained how to operate in the gift of prophecy. So there's two. Now let's go through the list. Cameron, I've gotten the list, so I'll just write them down, or that I wrote down. So let's see. To plan and establish, we've already seen, overlook, or oversee, we've done. Um, what are some things that the prophet should be operating in? Well, I would say one of those things for sure is to understand the spiritual that's happening in your services. If your services are getting out of hand where a lot of people are saying, thus saith the Lord, or you have even your, you know, your spiritual movements where things are happening that are not, what's the word, kosher, <laughs> they may not be spiritual things. That's where the prophet would need to speak up or when falsities are being taught from the pulpit. How many times did you get a prophet say, okay, well, you false teacher, you hypocrite. Yeah, they were, they were often, the, the what prophets were the, were the correctors of kings. Oh, yeah, true. That's a good word. They were the ones who, they weren't afraid to go to the highest of authority and say, that's not what God said. Right. It's upholding um, the standards of, the, of God as well. Yeah, of the word. So you might say, well, I don't see where that one really fits. But if you don't have a prophet operating and you have a bunch of false things being taught, 
especially from a pulpit, then how do we understand what God is telling them? You have to have a prophet there. Now you say, well, we can read the word, but it's still under this authority or under this. And we and uh, we may even have to set um, set that aside to actually go into some some more depth and really go into because I don't know if oh, yeah. we if we have the time in this this um, podcast, but this in this episode, but. I mean, there's a lot of things that we know about or that the Bible talks about when it talks about prophets. And there's a lot of things that we are taught that humans teach about prophets. And I think there's a lot of, a lot of time can be spent really going and, and observing the two and like just eliminating a lot of things that and we're taught. And clarity. Um, because there's so much confusion surrounding that specific um, house, especially now. See, a cool thing when we're talking about this is that this is all about the fivefold. Remember, all of this working together. So you shouldn't feel wronged or slighted if a prophet has to come to you and say, "Thus saith the Lord, this is wrong." Well, David knew he was wrong. He knew he shouldn't have slept with Bathsheba. He knew it, so that's why he repented. We submit to one another. Because then if the apostle even does wrong, the prophet can help. But then if the prophet is out of place and he's prophesying when it's not the time, then the apostle would say, that was not in order. We hold it's each other each other. We hold each other accountable and lift each other up and to uh, make sure that none of, you, none of us are stumbling. Um, and I think we too often take offense oh, yeah. when, when somebody when we receive correction from anything, even... Even when we receive correction from God. Because take... that's the prophet. That's not them talking. Right. Um, so the next, I just want to, like you said, we don't have a whole lot of time for this. If someone would like to hear more, we'll go into depth. But I want to take the next three and smash them into one topic because these are the ones I feel like get confused the most and cause the most confusion in what we call church. And that is your pastors, your teachers, and your evangelists. So what does kind of break them down quickly, but together. So I feel like most people, when I say the word pastor, what do you think of? Oh, that's the guy who stands in the pulpit. He's the one who gets to talk. He's the one who gets to preach. That's the pastor. I he's mean, the guy in charge. He's the one who... Yeah, and I could say he's going to name a pastor. Well, then you'll have all these people name tons of people, like Cameron just said. The main guy, the guy in charge, the one who's you know, controlling the scene. But wait a second. We just said the apostle is the one who oversees. And the apostle is the one who plants and establishes and governs it with authority. So what is the role of a pastor according to the Bible? Well, it's nothing like we think that it is. No. And a lot of the time, people will confuse a pastor for an evangelist or a pastor for a teacher. Or all three. A lot of the times we bunch all three of those up into one. Oh, that's the one man he's going to do all those jobs because we there is said, no fivefold we, we and often I say we but sometimes it's even that person who's calling them the pastor themselves. Oh, yeah, true. Sometimes because of the way we've been taught he tasks all those things on himself. Because he feels those are Because those are his jobs. Yeah. That's the things a pastor is supposed to do. So then... He's supposed to evangelize. He's supposed to be the one who's doing all those things. So what happens to then the pastor? 
he gets burnt out. Well, then what because if he cre- what if he falls and has some some sin that comes to the limelight? Everyone immediately wants to beat him. Oh. Which you know, sin does have its you know reward that you reap from it. But we're still grace because I feel like a lot of time pressure gets put on them to do what they're not supposed to do. A pastor in the Bible, how is it explained? It is. It's never singular. There's nowhere in the Bible that just says pastor singular, pastors plural, and it's something that's interchangeable with elders, deacons. Anyways, we're not going to that deep, but pastors' jobs are to be the love people. I know this sounds weird to say, but I can say it because I know for a fact this is not a calling God's given me just because of what it requires and what it tasks. A pastor's job is to love, to care for people, to know their personal lives, to be intimate in that kind of a level, like like what they would say, a shepherd right. who loves his sheep. Like we're like we're all called to be loving in a in a in a specific capacity. Yeah. Yeah. We're all called to do some of these things in a small capacity. But well, now this is that the pastor. Said. The pastor is the guy who, when you're down at five, you know, three in the morning, and you're you're contemplating i mean just going into real world topics when you're contemplating suicide three in the morning the pastor's the guy who's supposed to be the one up on the other end of the phone staying up with you until you're good he is he's he's coming to your house to get to know you he's checking up on you he is you know he's the one who's caring who is who's showing up to and and he knows when your kid's birthday is right. he's he's the one who oh your family member passed away let me go see if you're all right that's a pastor's job and let's say me and Cameron have a quarrel you know I'm tired of Cameron the way that he dresses so I don't want him to be around me a pastor the pastor would go to that group and go okay let me pull these two together let me bring and the intermediate what, what yeah, would be an intermediator between them to try to bring peace and a comfort. Mediator. Now it's think about this. If they're in the position where you just said, where I'm contemplating suicide, what if that person then calls the teacher? That probably is not going to be the best beneficial thing for them because the teacher just going to go, well, this is what the Bible says. <laughs> so did you follow that? Well, no, I'm contemplating suicide. Well, let me just read it again what the Bible says. And, and not that the teacher is wrong, but that's not his position. Right. He's they don't they don't approach things from that state of compassion. They approach things from the state of, well, this is the truth. This is the truth. So now, if we think about this, ninety nine point nine percent of churches in America have placed the pastor office onto a man who may not be a pastor. This is this is the reason why I know this. Because I, through you know prayer and through just life experience, have realized that I am a teacher. It's awesome because I married a person who also is a teacher. But we are not the kind of people, and it's not trying to sound mean, like Cameron said. I love everyone, and I will pray for you with all that I can pray for you for. But I'm not the guy who's going to check up on you ten times a week because... God has not put that into me as a it's not like it's not and it's not about not caring. Yeah. It's more of just it's not it's not in my capacity. you know, in That's in not the capacity. nature God has given me. But there's why we keep saying fivefold. These things should come together and be all in one place. So a teacher, what is a teacher's job? 
to teach the word, to defend, to define, and declare the word of God. They are a warrior for truth. So when we talked about the jobs of the church, we talked about to learn and to be taught. To train and equip. These that This is where the teacher is, that's where they function. Um, so if you're in a, in a body and you feel like you aren't learning or you feel like you're not growing or you you have all these questions that nobody will ever answer, you're coming to church every yeah. Sunday, but you're not getting your questions answered. It may be that there's a teacher, maybe present or not present, who is not functioning. Maybe you're having an apostle or a pastor. A lot of times this happens. Because this is, it's Cameron said it perfectly, this is why it happens. A pastor will get up, his heart will be on loving the community, like the ones we said here, love, uh, to... A pastor loves be, you, and he wants you help. to know the truth, but he's not... But if he can't get across what he's trying to say, then that's almost more defeat coming to the pastor, because now he caused confusion when he wanted to cause peace. So a pastor's job... Everyone's job is to share the good news, but he shouldn't be training and equipping. A big one here is the evangelist. I think we you know, skew this one a lot. The evangelist's job is, we have some up here, the functions. Feeding orphans and widows, healing the sick, laying hands on people, going into the world and preaching the gospel. Oftentimes, we preach to the saints, and we have zero actual evangelism taking place in the modern-day church. Not because no one has the heart for the lost, but we have put an evangelist in the seat of a pastor and said, okay, preach. Well, everyone he's preaching to is already a person who has salvation. They're already evangelized. So is that, is that evangelist now a bad person? No. Is he speaking you know, something that's not true? No. He's just not being able to activate his office because he's in the wrong office. He's placed before the church to preach. Instead, the teacher should be teaching. So I think the big thing here is that we realize that you don't have to be these, you know, let's say I'm one of them. I'm the teacher. I shouldn't feel bad that Cameron is really good at going out and maybe evangelizing or prophesying the words from God. I shouldn't feel bad about that. We should prefer one another and we should all be able to work perfectly as one unit because we allow these things to work together. But here's the cool part. What happens when you get an evangelist who is with a pastor and they both work together in the ministry? Now the evangelist goes out, he reaches the loss. Now when I say he I'm not just speaking of one person. I mean, evangelize, literally, the definition is convert or seek to convert to Christianity. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's literally the job. So, I'm not, and I want to make this clear because I had a person ask me this the last time I talked about this. We're not saying only five people in a church gathering no. get to be these things. You should fit in one of these settings. You should fit somewhere in these. And if you're not there yet... Hey, find a teacher and they'll train you and equip you to be there, right. to learn. Maybe you need a prophet to tell you what God wants you to do. But this is where all of us are fit. But what if the evangelist goes out, reaches the lost, and then gets to bring them back to the pastor? Now he can love them. Now the pastor can go, man, I love you guys. I just know the Lord has brought you here. Let's, let's, you know, let's get together and become a family. 
let me introduce you to the teacher. He can now train and equip you. Now, the prophet can give you what God wants to say, and the apostle eventually can say, now you're ready, be sent forth. Do you see how well-functioning the machine should be? Right. And if we're not seeing that, the main thing we're trying to get across is if we're not seeing that take place in our in our local bodies or in the place if places we have been, um, it's it it all comes down to that those those ministries those five that fivefold ministry is not being properly uh, utilized and fulfilled within that body. Um, either they're um, completely like negligent of it or that or they are just misunderstanding um or confusing it with human yeah, thought our ideas of where we because should be. we have all these we have a man-made constructs about what we believe things should look like in a, in a church body but we have also these direct instructions in the bible on what it looks like and when we compare the two it's it's frightening because I can just I like I know we've been in uh, our family has been in ministry for years and to just sit and look and go and like if I measured the abundance of ministries I've encountered with this with be- this it's saddening to see how far the church has strayed from from doctrine of God to doctrine of man. And we've, mm. we've, and even the ones that are trying their best have confused the two and kind of mingled them together, trying to like inching towards the truth, but never fully getting to that point. I think a lot of the times that's why you have so much trouble when it comes to church and why people don't really understand it. Because what happens is an evangelist got a hold of them. He told them about the gospel. She told them about the gospel, and it changed their lives radically. Then they get brought to a building where they have an evangelist on the pulpit who's fulfilling a role of a teacher instead, and every day just tells them how sinners they are, how worthless they are. No one trained them and equipped them, and there wasn't that pastor to just love on them. Well, they I got saved, but then now I'm just kind of here. And they no one's checking and up they on feel me. Every day they come into being told that your sinners need who need to be saved salvation seek salvation and we preach so much salvation to a bunch of people who receive salvation already they need to be now they need to be trained let's move them in these other fivefold ministries now here's another cool thing is we you don't have to be the same local gathering place for even for this to function right I can he- be here operating underneath of a teacher and somebody who I respect and who you know I get advice from can be an apostolic person somewhere else. I know my dad operates in the prophetic and he operates in uh, evangelist. It's the big one. Like that's, that's his goal, man. Get out there and win the law. So if I ever need help, I can seek that evangelist and it's the continuation of the fivefold ministry. Right. Now here's something cool that should encourage, I think, um, we don't want to cookie cutter this. Right. Not every apostle is going to act the same. Not every prophet is going to act the same. Here's a good example when it comes to teaching. 
I operate in the gift or the ministry gift of a teacher. I have a big mouth. I can talk to anyone and I can, you know, create a million sermons and be able to talk to them about it. That's my gift. Right. Now, Summer operates in the gift of a teacher as well. But Summer is not vocal like I am. Now, she stands by the truth more than anybody I know, but she will write. She will write books. She will write, uh, you know, blogs. She writes my sermons a lot of the time. <laughs> and people just don't realize it and they think I'm a genius. But that's because you don't have to be the exact same in every way that you are. Now, you can be an evangelist and not be Ray Comfort. Right. Well, have you broken any of the he's things like You're a, going to hell. Like a, like, <laughs> he's a straight up, like, right there, the, his evangelism style. And I think that's a that's the best way to put it because there's so many... It's not cookie cutter. It's, um, it's like... Like a... Uh, organized chaos in yeah, a sense because we still have personality right we still have our personalities which that goes into another completely different topic but we have these innate gifts that god has given each of us and then he we have these these houses these uh, offices ministry. of ministry that he also has us placed in and Yes, some you can see kind of like a similar personalities fitting into specific um, offices, but it's, I know I feel I have that, the uh, office of the teacher. I, um, it was I actually, That's why um, get along. <laughs> long ago, when I was younger, I was like, I don't, I, I wouldn't have said that. I'm like, no, I, I really didn't really feel like I was. I was gonna, I was like, maybe I'm just not the, you know, I just, I'm just gonna be over here uh, playing my Xbox. You guys just have fun. But I, I have this interest in, in science. And so my whole, my whole standpoint on teaching comes from a very like analytical and scientific <laughs> um, standpoint. So like I am very passionate about, helping people understand um, the science of scripture <laughs> and helping them see, um, you know, God, the creator. And so... And Not just, I, hey, this is truth because it's truth, but you're good at saying this is how truth relates to you scientifically. Right. And so that, of course, that's my, that's me. And so, the, that, like you said, the great thing is you have... Right here, three different people working in the the office of a teacher. None of us teach the same way. None of us have that the same. But you get us together, and we start. The office of the teacher starts bouncing off <laughs> each other. There's a whole another set of gifts, and it's the nine gifts that you're born with. And we that's a whole another story. But that's a big thing that equates off of that. So like, I know that. I am an office operating teacher, but I have perceiver as a gift that you're born with. And I also have, which helps a lot, teacher. But, <laughs> you know, there's Summer, who is compassion, huge compassion. So she's going to come about it a different way. You know, there, you can have exhorters, you can have givers, servants. Imagine if you had a teacher who was a servant. Then they're out there serving you, Showing you how to serve, right. teaching with action. 
but the, the again the, that main the main goal here is not to say oh you're doing it wrong oh you're yeah. doing it wrong. oh it's um like again we so often take such great offense when uh, when anything when we're challenged oh, wait, uh, when that's our, not how I do it that, wait that? hold on like that's not the way that my grandpa said to me that's not the way that my pastor told me um but we always have to make sure that whatever we again even us we're not saying that hey we know everything exactly uh and and nothing we're saying here could possibly i mean we sit around and we study and we talk and we go through scripture and we try to base all of our all of our conversations and in all of our ways of thinking based on scripture again we try our that that best but there could be something that we missed and that, you know, whatever. But the greatest thing about all of this is that it's it's all about, again, that, that goal is maturity. The goal is to reach that mature state so that, again, you reach the end and the apostle can establish you in your gift. And maybe the reason why you're feeling those feelings of stagnation or you're feeling like, I don't feel like I'm being used or why do I feel... I, I still feel like I'm a filthy sinner. I know Christ loves me, but I still feel dirty. Maybe you are needing to get away from the evangelist, the evangelist who's in the wrong that's position. In the wrong and it's not position. like it's their fault. Right. They're doing the gift God gave them. It's just we've, we've kind of twisted the setting. And that's all I'm saying. I think anyone, if they're honest, can look at their lives and in the gatherings they've been in and go, whoa. That makes sense. It makes sense. This person's a great person. And I just, maybe that's why, because they weren't functioning how they needed to be functioned. Now, here's the thing. This is not something me and Cameron came up with. No. This is in the scripture, and it says, if you want to have unity, and I think that's huge, why they use that word, the, the why the Bible use that word, and move on in maturity, because you will have more unity. We just have to be willing, and this is hard, to accept correction from one another. So just give you a quick little example of that. If even your apostle who's supposed to oversee and to send forth then begins to send forth people who have not been trained and equipped, the teacher can correct and say, hey, man, hey. they haven't learned yet. We should probably shouldn't send them forth. Well, then if the teacher teaches something that is way not godly, the prophet can say, thus saith the hey. Lord, this is not God. Right. And then, you know, your evangelist can go to your teacher and say, hey, uh, this guy came out here and said this while he was evangelizing with me. Did you teach him that? Because that ain't in the Bible. You know, right. you can have all different ones of those. And then the pastor, I'm not saying this in any negative way, but he has, to me, the job that's, you know, more universal. Let me feed the sheep, love the sheep, help the sheep, you know, make the sheep better sheep. The teacher made now, the sheep I love this. Is this somebody is... come and help us. Exactly. So, it's like Summer said one time, if we want to say shepherd, we really do when we say the word pastor, and that's okay in a sense, but he's a shepherd in the sense that he's just the lead sheep. We're still all sheep. Because we're all sheep, and we need Jesus. I just really do think that if people will start to understand this concept, there'll be so much more unity. Because I won't be fighting over whether I get to say words or not or whether i get to you know do this or do that it's it comes down to hey he's a teacher let him teach he's an evangelist 
I want to go be a part of evangelizing. Let me follow the evangelist to learn that. It's, it's unity to maturity in the faith. I know we're getting close to coming to a close, so hopefully something we said here uh, will catch your eye and will help you study it yourself. Always, always, always take what we say and look in the Bible. You know, Find it yourself. Don't take everything we say just face value. Um, but once again, uh, you can check us out on Facebook. It's just, it's literally just kids in the way. And I believe uh, it's open so anybody can look at yeah, it. Yeah, anybody you. can get on and look. It's not a closed. And um, you can message the the Facebook page at any time. Um, Lots I cannot, of so people... Yeah, I cannot 100% say that I, you know... If it's four in the morning, you'll get a response. <laughs> we don't have a pastor in our group yet. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it just depends on if I'm on a work day or not. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, we try, we want to try and if you have any questions about anything you hear that we say, we have anything, um, any, any suggestions on topics that you want us to cover, um, we are completely... Um, desiring oh, yeah. to really just to get into any topics that any of anybody has because we can talk about what we like right but if it's not going to be helpful to you then we're not making a because point. it then then and that's where again we talk we're getting to that our teach our we want to yeah. teach so i can't teach you something that if i'm teaching you something that's not going to help you then i'm over here going well i'm, I'm having a hard time with my Mastery. Right. Then I was. I mean, and if we don't know something, we're just going to tell you we don't. But we will also. We have lots of connections. We'll get you someone who knows. Yeah. We'll find someone who can help you with your problem. Um, so I just appreciate everybody listening. That's all for me. Um, glad that everybody tuned in. And uh, please, please give us some some feedback and some comments, and we'll let you know. You know, we have a, a little bit here and there, but the more the merrier, man. We love to teach. Yeah. We'll see you in our next podcast. Yes, might have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for these blasted kids.